Happy holidays, everyone. Christmas has come early this year, and I come bearing gifts. Please enjoy the trailer for my new movie, Falling for Christmas, coming to Netflix this November. Hello, Contrarians listeners, and welcome to the dramatic conclusion of Lohan, A Contrarian's Journey. This is part four of our four-part miniseries covering the career, the life, and times of one Miss Lindsay Lohan. And we are here today to discuss the potential makings of a comeback for Miss Lohan in the form of Falling for Christmas, a Netflix exclusive that released late last year for the holiday season. Julio, we've arrived at our uh, our final chapter here. Question mark? Because obviously life is always like an ongoing tale. So we'll finish for today and we'll finish up to today in Miss Lohan's life. Who knows what the future holds, but man, it's been a journey thus far. The final title card is going to be the end dot 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 question mark. There you go. Was that Steve McQueen's The Blob? The end? Or no, it's the end and then hmm? question mark at the end. <laughs> uh, this is, yeah, Lindsay Lohan will return. In Falling for Christmas Endgame. <laughs> I don't falling know. for Falling for Easter. Falling for Hanukkah. Uh, this is, Alex, a, a very special uh, type of episode, much like we did with the, the CM Punk chapter of the Roxena saga. Mm-hmm. This is one that we're putting on both the Patreon channel and the main feed so that everybody can just enjoy it. And then those of you who are not, uh, th- who don't have access to the Patreon feed, maybe this will make you think, hey, I should drop a buck on the Patreon channel for the contrarians and and see what was I missing with this uh with, with the previous three parts of the Lohan uh, miniseries. So still until you do that, we're not gonna be mean. We're not gonna just jump into this cold. I I figured that you could do a, a previously on Lohan Alex for those newcomers that don't know what what we've been doing over there uh, on the Patreon feed. Yes. So to begin with Patreon.com slash Contrarian Prime. One dollar will get you access to the first three parts of this Lohan miniseries. Um, if you're unfamiliar with what Julio referenced, our Roxena, well, that's more of a mega series, as we called it. Every once in a while, you know, we have bonus episodes on our Patreon all the time, but this is the second uh, time in which we've tackled a project for a patron exclusive series. So we did so tackling Lindsay Lohan. If you're in Julio and I's age range and she's been a person of interest and a fascinating uh, story to say the very least. And we've, we've covered all of it. And we also covered many of her films as well. Uh, In part one, we discussed, what did we do? We did Freaky Friday, Mean Girls and Herbie Fully Loaded. Uh, In part three, we did the other end of uh, her film spectrum with such um, uh, questionable releases. I'll, I'll say as, Chapter 27, Labor Pains, and The Canyons. Now, that Chapter 27 discussion, we go deep (laughs) in just how, to begin with, strange that movie is. And then we talk about Lindsay's performance in it as well. Part two, you may know I skipped that. In part two, we talked about, you know, uh, the height of her fame and what that contributed to in terms of her television appearances. We discussed two episodes of Saturday Night Live she hosted, her first hosting gig and her most recent one. I talked about guest roles she had on King of the Hill, as well as that 70s show and a, a lot of things in between. And as you can imagine, when Lindsay Lohan comes the discussion of controversy and legal troubles, woes, and that's all covered in there as well. I think... Uh, 
the first three parts together. Probably, you know, you're looking at six six hours or so that we just discussed the career Lindsay Lohan. So it's not just you know no half hour clickbait YouTube review type thing. <laughs> we go we go all the way with these. Today we're gonna. This is gonna be a little bit more concise because we're just discussing one movie, uh, but and also some of the positive things that have come in her life since we left off with part three. So to begin with, Julio, I think it's important that we see where else Lindsay Lohan went on the silver screen before we ended up on Netflix. The real screen. The screen of the day. And for those that may be curious, yes, we do discuss her music career. And it'll come back up in this episode as well. Oh. So it looks like following the canyons, the Paul Schrader film that gave us much to discuss. She was in a film called Till Human Voices Wake Us. It was a short film that she was in. And then she had a supporting role in a movie called Among the Shadows in 2019, a supernatural horror thriller film. And it looks like she is the only name I'm familiar with in this. Now, we left off with the Canyons in 2013. In 2014, there was a project for Miss Lohan that failed to get off the ground called Lindsay. It was a docu-series that was documenting her rehabilitation, recovery, and her work following basically all the shit we discussed. It premiered on March 9th of 2014 on the Oprah Winfrey Network and concluded on April 20th of that same year. So didn't last too long. Premiere ratings were described as modest, then dropped. And the critical reception was mixed about it. I've never seen any of it. It sounds, you know, and this is considering some of the places we've gone already with this, Julio. It sounds pretty dark and, you know, like, um, here's a review. Unusually painful to watch. And, and uh, one of the things I read in multiple places about it was that it definitely wasn't told from her perspective. Like, it was clearly, like, filmed and she was there. And then who the Oprah network or whoever was the editor on it, like, you know, took many liberties with the, the portrayal of it. There was that period of time where she was just kind of we talked about it, man. And there was a lot that had kind of the many blooms had fallen off the rose. And she was she and her parents and, you know, the people around her, I think, were trying to kind of pick up the pieces and see where they could go from there. I know we talked about this a little bit more, but kind of bringing finality to some of the legal woes. On her way to the set of Liz and Dick in June of 2012, she was in a car accident where she sustained minor injuries, caused a delay in production. March 2013, pleaded no contest to misdemeanor charges of reckless driving and providing false information to a police officer that stemmed from that car accident. She was sentenced to community service, psychotherapy, and lockdown rehabilitation. Her probation was also extended that she was currently on at that point until May 2015 when a judge ended it after she completed the community service in march of 2023 so pretty recently here lohan and other celebrities were charged by the sec for violating investor protection laws by promoting cryptocurrency on social media without properly disclosing that they were being compensated for doing so a representative stated that lohan was unaware of disclosure obligations and agreed to pay the fine to resolve the matter cryptocurrency it's just a fine it's not yeah yeah yeah. so who else got con into doing that uh, many people that justin bieber paid like what not even kidding. I think he paid like a million dollars for some NFT that's now worth like 20 grand or something. You know, <laughs> I'm not telling you right now that money that lives on the internet cannot be a real thing, but the the way crypto 
people were like, this is it, man. You got to, you know, invest all your money. Okay. (laughs) As any movie that portrays or television show that portrays a dystopian future will tell you the things that matter are pickup trucks because those are the only cars that still run. (laughs) And and that cash, cash is what's going to buy your way through shit. Well, I just, I just wish I knew who else was was in the room when when Lindsay was just. <laughs> it was a Rico over. case, like that scene in The Dark Knight where they have all the <laughs> the mobsters in the courtroom at one point. It was her, uh, Ruby Malik, <laughs> Christopher he's Nolan, bug eyed. I didn't know what I was doing, man. <laughs> I wanted to just say that's her most legal trouble. To stress that. She obviously has done a good job of staying out of trouble when you consider the ground we covered in our first three episodes. <laughs> yes, this is small potatoes. Yeah. This is just a slap on the wrist for playing with imaginary money. Come on. <laughs> Everybody does that. Uh, I was going to say Liz and Dick, is that what it's called? The, mm-hmm. we've, we've name-checked it twice now, uh, one in part three and now. And, I mean, it's not, never something that, Call my attention as far as oh that's something I want to watch, but it was there was a little bit of the novelty of her playing Elizabeth Taylor. Does that sound to you like a like a brilliant moment in casting history, or are you like me, kind of like scratching your head and I'm like, eh? Yeah, that's peculiar to me, especially considering that you know it started in 2012. I mean, it was Lifetime, and the casting and those things is always. Uh, head scratching, I guess, would be the way to put it. Just like uh, Hayden Panettiere as Foxy Noxy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Th- that's more perplexing than this one. Good one, man. Because <laughs> not only did man, we're not going to get started on that. It, it, if you're listening to this <laughs> and you end up subscribing to the Patreon, which you need to, you absolutely should to check out the first pre- three parts of this. Go listen to when I talked about the Made for Lifetime movie where Hayden Panettiere played. Amanda Knox, that's in there too. Um, so Liz and Dick, yeah, it look, Lindsay Lohan obviously has money, has means and all that shit, but there is the vicious cycle that was perpetuated in and I don't want to give too much away because I want to give you all a little bit of tantalization so you can head on over, but we, we cover all this in the first three parts. And it really seemed like she had to find work to do and what we talk about in labor pains, the it was very limited. You know, they there was only so many studios that would fund or uh, that could get insurance for anything that she was a part of. So while the casting may be quizzical to you or I, rightly, it's still just kind of like this is what we have. This is yeah, we we don't have <laughs> prime rib for dinner. You got your fucking <laughs> banquet Salisbury steak, heat it up and eat it. <laughs> Doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. Yeah. So Liz and Dick premiered on Lifetime at the end of 2012, fourth most watched movie that aired on the channel in 2012 behind Steel Magnolias, Drew Peterson <laughs> Untouchable, and Abducted, the Carolina White story. Drew uh, 1.3 million in adults 25 to 54 and 1.3 million in adults 18 to 49, with women making up a great majority of the viewers of both demos. Ratings were lower than expected given the amount of press coverage it received variety described it the ratings as a disappointment with all the pre debut buzz of the project on social media who played dick james marsden he should have grant bowler and there's your problem that 
That's where <laughs> you done fucked up, man. I don't know. Yeah. I'm trying to see if there's anybody else. If... Creed Bratton's in it. That's the second Lindsay Lohan movie we've <laughs> talked about that Creed Bratton's in. <laughs> Jesus. Who made the call? Did she call him or did he call her? <laughs> hey, Lilo, let's talk. Let's talk scratch, baby. <laughs> who was doing who a solid? On television... A lot of uh, playing herself and, you know, also like, you know, she was out there still doing talk show circuit. Uh, She does have an appearance on Eastbound and Down. That is phenomenal. She had a guest appearance on Two Broke Girls, which I I know some people are big fans of that show, and then had a reoccurring role on a show called Sick Note. Uh, Looks like it's a show in the UK. And really, that was it. That's the extent of, you know, projects that she had worked on. So that brings us to Falling for Christmas. And that brings us to an article I found on Fox News. Um, not that I frequent their website too often, but in my research for this, I found this article I wanted to to read to kind of set the table for us. As I mentioned, that movie dropped on November 10th. This article was published on November 14th of 2022. And this was written by Ashley Hume. Lindsay Lohan's Hollywood Comeback, a look back at her troubled life in the spotlight. The actress is starring in the recently released Netflix holiday movie, Falling for Christmas, marking her first major production in over 10 years. Lindsay Lohan is making her Hollywood comeback. The 36-year-old actress stars in the recently released Netflix holiday movie, Falling for Christmas, which marks her first major acting role in over a decade. Former child star Lohan was one of Tinseltown's reigning it girls in the early 2000s before her promising career was derailed by multiple box office flops and a string of highly publicized legal problems and substance abuse issues. Julio, I would say with what we've covered, it's way more the latter than the prior. I think some of those flops were caused by some of the negative publicity she was getting. Would you agree or disagree? I agree. Everybody has flops and it's not that that big okay you want to you want to hear about somebody who got derailed by flops that was travolta and we've talked about travolta on the show at nauseam he Uh, also didn't help himself with some of the things he did and said (laughs) yes but it was not like oh travolta had like a substance abuse problem and that's what derailed his career uh in the case of lindsey lohan i mean i think that yeah drugs were played a bigger role there (laughs) and cryptocurrency as well apparently (laughs) speaking of flops man I don't remember if this was actually on anything we recorded, but God, I'd look like an asshole now saying that I thought Oppenheimer was going to be Nolan's flop. Like as excited as I was about it, I was like <laughs> subject materials, not, you know, universal appeal, man. And this Barbie movie is going to fuck it up. And it ends up, it was projected for 50 million domestically and it did 80. So get mm-hmm. him, Chris. And it's then the biggest, uh, biggest opening for a non Batman movie. I think that's God what I read. Fucking bless. And then he had that interview, over the weekend where he explained the importance of physical media. I was just like, man, I'll kiss you if I ever see you, Christopher <laughs> Nolan. For me, my whole life, acting is like riding a bicycle. It's just in me, Lohan told The Hollywood Reporter last month. Doing films, playing a character, it brings me so much joy to be able to share a story with people, to take people on that journey with me is such a blessing. In Falling for Christmas, Lohan plays spoiled Hotel Harris, Sierra Belmont, who is left with amnesia after a skiing accident. She is taken in by kind-hearted widower and local lodge owner Jake Russell, parenthetically Glee star, Chord Overstreet. This guy's name is Chord Overstreet. <laughs> is that Chord sounds like Chord? I, chord. I, I'm sorry. Until I hear it pronounced somewhere, it's going to be Chord. <laughs> I hope it's Chord. <laughs> in this movie also, he looks like 
if Tim Heidecker got made up like a Disney prince. Like he, <laughs> <laughs> he's got the hair and he's just, he's basically like Tim Heidecker with like a really good Instagram filter on. It's ridiculous. I I wrote him down as discount Carrie Elves on my notes. <laughs> And his daughter, Avi Olivia Perez, in the days leading up to Christmas, Sierra finds herself falling in love with Jake and learning to embrace the simpler things in life. At a screening for the film, November 9th, Lohan made her red carpet debut with her husband, Badr Shamas. The pair were first romantically linked in February 2020 when they were pictured together at a music festival in Dubai. Lohan announced she was engaged to the financier in November 2021. She revealed the two had secretly tied the knot when she referred to Shamus as her husband in a July Instagram post. Lohan gushed over her marriage with Shamus in a recent interview with Good Morning America. It's amazing, she said. I'm really lucky. I found my partner, and he's an amazing man, and we're a great team. He's a good-looking cat. Lohan hesitated when pressed to share further details about Shamus, but she did add, he's the best. I love him so much. Since moving to Dubai in 2014, Lohan has opted for a quiet life out of the spotlight, a dramatic departure from the microscope she lived under at the height of her career. The New York native made her career breakthrough at the age of 12 when she beat out 4,000 other young girls for the roles of twins Haley Parker and Annie James in the 1998 Disney movie The Parent Trap. The movie also starred Dennis Quaid and the late Natasha Richardson. A box office hit, the film was also met with critical acclaim, with Lohan in particular earning high praise for her performance. After The Parent Trap, Lohan landed leading roles in two major Disney releases, 2003's Freaky Friday, which she starred opposite Jamie Lee Curtis, who played her mother, and 2004's Confession of a Teenage Drama Queen. In 2004, Lohan became the youngest person to ever host the MTV Movie Awards. What a, what a prestigious thing that was back in those days. <laughs> back when those awards mattered. God damn right. And also won a golden popcorn for her performance in Freaky Friday. However, it was Lohan's role as the naive transfer student Katie Heron in the hit 2004 comedy Mean Girls that made her a household name. Lohan's performance earned rave reviews from critics, and she was declared one of Hollywood's brightest rising stars. I would watch Lindsay to learn what it is to be a film actor, Mean Girls screenwriter Tina Fey told People magazine. Later that year, Lohan launched her singing career after scoring a record deal with Casablanca Records and released her debut album, Speak. Please see episode two, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. But with Lohan's suddenly immense fame came intense media scrutiny. She made headlines over a public years-long feud with Hilary Duff after she and the Lizzie McGuire star were in a love triangle with Aaron Carter in the early 2000s. On her 18th birthday, Lohan revealed she was dating that 70s show star Wilder Valderrama, who was seven years her senior. Their romance was heavily covered in gossip magazines until they called it quits four months later. Also detailed in episode two. After moving to L.A. full-time in 2004, Lohan began to get a reputation for being a party girl. In 2005, Lohan had become a favorite target of the paparazzi, who relentlessly trailed the teen actress as she hopped from club to club and stayed out until the early hours of the morning. One of those nights was during the filming of The Canyons, when she partied with Lady Gaga until like 5 in the morning. Episode 3. Check it out. Man, Lady Gaga, I, I don't think I said it at the time, but I'm like, she should have known better. She's the friend that you have to work the next day. And she said, no, I don't know. Just stay out. Doesn't matter. Call in sick. What's Schrader going to do? <laughs> Get naked and direct you? <laughs> <laughs> 
At the same time, Lohan's career began to falter as her lifestyle appeared to be affecting her work habits and reliability. Production on her 2005 Disney, Herbie Fully Loaded, was shut down for three days when Lohan was hospitalized for, quote, intoxication. That's Freudian slip. Production on her 2005 Disney movie, Herbie Fully Loaded, was shut down for three days when Lohan was hospitalized for, quote, exhaustion. And I think, if I remember correctly, when we talk about in part three of the Canyons, they lost like a whole day of filming because she was too Mm -hmm. hungover to do anything. Yeah. The movie became a commercial success, but received a lukewarm response from critics. Her next big screen release, 2006, Just My Luck, was a box office bomb and earned the actress a Golden Raspberry nomination for Worst Actress. The same year, Lohan starred alongside Felicity Huffman and Jane Fonda in the drama Georgia Rule. During filming, she was hospitalized for being overheated and exhausted, according to a representative. In a leaked letter... The head of the company producing Georgia Rule blasted Lohan over her, quote, various late arrivals and absences from set. Morgan Creek CEO James G. Robinson wrote, we are well aware that your ongoing all-night heavy partying is the real reason for your so-called exhaustion. He went on to slam the actress for her discourteous, irresponsible, and unprofessional actions and threatened to hold her personally responsible for any damages incurred by her behavior, including monetary damages. Cancel that man. Cancel him. (laughs) Find his Twitter and just send him nasty Let him have it. Yeah. Lohan's partying continued and she became a tabloid fixture. In one infamous photo, Lohan is seen during a night out with Britney Spears and Paris Hilton, though the trio were reportedly feuding with each other at the time. She's also seen passed out in a car in another notorious image. In January 2007, Lohan entered drug rehabilitation for the first time during production of her movie, I Know Who Killed Me. In May of that year, she was arrested for misdemeanor DUI. She went back to rehab for the second time and was fitted with an alcohol monitoring ankle bracelet. Two weeks after leaving rehab, Lohan crashed her Mercedes-Benz convertible in Santa Monica, California. She was arrested and charged with DUI, cocaine possession, and driving on a suspended license. Pleaded guilty and was sentenced to serve one day in jail, 10 days of community service, three years probation, pay a fine, enter alcohol education programs, later entered rehab for a third time in the same year. I Know Who Killed Me was released in July of 2007. The horror film failed at the box office and received an overwhelmingly negative response from critics. Can confirm with some citing it as the worst, one of the worst movies of all time. I don't know about that. Real bad, though. Lohan won two Worst Actress Golden Raspberry Awards for her dual roles in the film, tying with herself for the first place. I just realized that's two movies now where she's played dual roles. Well, one of them was good and successful. Right. So, but we need we need to complete the trilogy. Maybe that's her next Netflix movie. There you go. After a disastrous year, Lohan's movie and TV offers began to dry up. She guest starred on the ABC series Ugly Betty, but her appearance was cut from six episodes to four after she reportedly feuded with the show's star, America Ferreira. Lohan played the lead role, which we kind of dispel in um, part three. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can take what you would like from that. Lohan played the lead role in the comedy. I'm going to replace the word comedy with dismal. Lohan played the lead role in the dismal labor pains, which she, which was slated to premiere in theaters, but instead aired as a TV movie on ABC family. See part three for the torture that Hulu and I endured. It was preceded by an apology from the, <laughs> the network. From, um, would Barack have been president at the time? No, not yet. It's still, <laughs> It still would have been uh, W. 
ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to see does not represent our our values as Americans. <laughs> the troubled starlet remained an ever-present figure on the club scene and on the covers of tabloids from 08 to 09. She was in a high-profile relationship with British DJ Samantha Ronson. Their tumultuous on-and-off-again romance played out in the public eye as they engaged in dramatic fights and took swipes at each other on Twitter. It would have been in the infant days of Twitter, at least in the sense of like catching on to the point. It, it was not the juggernaut that it is now, or X. Fucking idiot. The, the, the pre-Musk era. Yeah. Meanwhile, Lohan's legal troubles continued to mount over the next few years as judges found her in violation of her probation four times. She was sentenced to 90 days in jail and 90 days in rehab during a hearing in which the actress sobbed and pleaded with the judge. Photos from the court appearance later revealed that she had the message, fuck you, painted on her fingernails. Yeah, she's in rough shape, man. She allegedly had a physical altercation with a rehab center employee in 2010. Then in 2011, she was found guilty of misdemeanor theft after pleading no contest to stealing a $2,500 necklace and was sentenced to 120 days in jail, which she served under house arrest and confinement due to overcrowding. Naturally, Saturday Night Live was like, all right, time for you to be on the show. Episode two, check it out. By 2012, Lohan made... 20 court appearances, completed six rehab stints, and had been incarcerated six times while filming the made-for-TV movie Liz and Dick in 2013. She was involved in a car accident that led to additional misdemeanor charges. Lohan's legal woes and addiction problems made it difficult for productions to insure her, and she continued to lose projects. Experts predicted it could take 10 years for her career to recover. In 2013, Lohan starred in the low-budget erotic thriller The Canyons, which she also co-produced. Most of the funding for the movie was raised through Kickstarter, and Lohan herself received $100 a day in addition to a share of the profits from ticket sales. The Canyons was Did a she critical... get a piece of the, the profits from the action figures as well? Or was that <laughs> off the contract? <laughs> the Canyons was a critical and commercial failure, and Lohan's performance received lukewarm reviews. Once again, she was plagued by reports of being difficult to work with and allegedly clashed with director Paul Schrader throughout filming. Now, we don't know Lindsay Lohan or Paul Schrader personally, but based on everything that we discussed and read in preparation for part three, I can say that that allegedly may need to be removed from that sentence. <laughs> It would be the actress's last appearance on the big screen for years. In 2014, she was featured in an eight-part docuseries titled Lindsay, which aired on Oprah Winfrey's OWN network. The show followed Lohan as she moved to New York following a stay in rehab and tried to rebuild her life and career. Later that year, Lohan made her stage debut in a London West End production of David Mamet's play Speed the Plow. Her performance was met with mixed reviews, and she later defended herself after forgetting her lines. Oh, 20 that's rough, man. Not everybody can do stage like that. Right? She could have been like sober and not had any issues and still kind of had a bad Broadway experience. It's a much different beast. Is Pete the Plow the one where uh, Jeremy Piven dropped out because he said he got uh, mercury poisoning from eating too much uh, sushi? Do you ever hear that story? <laughs> I'm not making it up. I know it was a David Mamet play, and he, Jeremy Piven was part of the cast. Playbill.com, December 17, 2008. Jeremy Piven abruptly departs Broadway's Speed the Plow. There you go. Citing high levels of mercury. <laughs> oh, okay. Can't believe I know this shit. Hey, man. <laughs> this is why we do it. 
for me to learn shit like this. For you to learn things about Lindsay Lohan and for me to learn things about Jeremy Piven eating sushi. Coming next fall, Piven. Piven, a contrarian's journey. In 2014, Lohan left the United States and relocated full-time to Dubai. She turned her focus to entrepreneurship and opened three beach clubs in Greece between 2016 and 2018. In 2019, she started the MTV reality series Lindsay Lohan's Beach Club. I didn't know MTV still showed anything except ridiculousness. (laughs) She told Emirates Women in 2018 that moving to Dubai afforded her a fresh start. Lohan told the outlet that she rejected the party girl label. What does that even mean? She asked. I get so uncomfortable with that word party. People are still stuck in the past of stories I had in LA and I hate it. It was all lies. She explained that she enjoys the privacy that she has had while living in the United Arab Emirates. I bet you could, man. You got the money. Do it. Not to say that that place is Paul Schrader is still living out of a one bedroom apartment. (laughs) Eating pork and beans for dinner tonight. (laughs) I moved here for that purpose. I don't have to be publicly seen all the time or discuss what I'm doing, she said. I get more work done because I don't have the scrutiny and fixation on what I'm doing every second. I work all the time. My mind never stops. She also began to work in television again, landing a reoccurring role in the second season of the British comedy series Sick Note and appearing as a panelist on the Australian version of The Masked Singer. In 2019, Lohan re-signed with Casablanca Records and released Back to Me, her first single in 12 years in April of 2020. However, talk of a serious acting comeback for Lohan began in May of 2021 when Netflix announced she was starring in Falling for Christmas. Fans began rooting for Lohan's return and were delighted by her surprise appearance in the Super Bowl commercial for Planet Fitness earlier this year. The ad poked fun at her former party girl lifestyle and showcased her new healthy routine. It was this and then she did. Was it in 2021 or 2022? Do you remember she had that Pepsi commercial? No. Super Bowl yeah. as well? Or? No, it was around Christmas time because she was like in a Christmas outfit, like a little Santa outfit. Not, I don't mean to sound provocative with that. It was a modest outfit. Um, but <laughs> it, was it was just some, her, uh, her Mean Girls outfit. There you go. It was like an ad like for Christmas where you, you could mix milk and Pepsi. And it was like a, a new Christmas drink. I'm like, well, that sounds fucking disgusting. But um, <laughs> that is David Tell has that joke about sometimes just two great things don't mix. He's like cotton candy and scotch whiskey. It's like it'll smell like clown fucking in the room, but he's <laughs> and that's and that's like with Pepsi and milk. It's like, yeah, I can I can fuck with some diet Pepsi and some milk from time to time, but not together. But my point being, she had that Planet Fitness commercial, which I remember, and then that Pepsi commercial, and it was like, is Lindsay Lohan like what's going on here? Because it what we talk about in some of our previous episodes too is like when she attempted her first like let's just sweep everything under the rug. Everything she did was just like, oh, ha ha, remember that car wreck I got in? And it was very mm-hmm. uncomfortably self-deprecating. And in this case, it was just kind of some innocent stuff that was going down and it was good to see. So you saw you saw that uh, that uh, Planet Fitness commercial as it aired, I imagine, because you're, you're a Super Bowl enthusiast. I like football. Yes, Julio, that would be accurate. <laughs> So, so did you do you remember did that just or did you catch it later at the you know when you were looking up the commercials on the internet 
Uh, that's when the Bengals were in the Super Bowl. So I think I was praying, like I was on my knees praying during every commercial break and not really paying attention. <laughs> I don't appreciate you bringing that up too. It's too soon. I'm sorry. It's new season. It it is a difficult journey. Low hands and hours. <laughs> new season starts soon. Burrow's going to take us to the promised land. It's going to be all right. Uh, in March, Netflix announced it had signed another deal with Lohan, which will see her star in two additional movies for the streaming platform. We're so happy with our collaboration with Lindsay to date, and we're thrilled to continue our partnership with her. Netflix director of independent film Christina Rogers said in a statement, we look forward to bringing more of her films to our members around the world. Our members go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's an exclusive club, Alex. Lohan's former co-stars have also shown their support for her comeback. On Thursday, Jamie Lee Curtis shared the movie poster for Falling for Christmas on her Instagram, writing, My little girl is all grown up. Aww. I know. The movie also pays homage to Mean Girls with a scene in which Lohan sings Jingle Bell Rock. The scene was a callback to Lohan's famous dance scene in which she and the plastics dance to the Christmas classic at the Winter Talent Show. Do you think, Alex, and I know we're not quite talking about the movie yet, but do you think there is a chance that a single person watched that scene and not thought of Mean Girls? Like, is there somebody in the world that didn't get it? Considering I think this movie is, like, designed for your chain-smoking grandma who probably doesn't know too much about, like, (laughs) pop culture elsewhere, I think it's possible. (laughs) Well, so, Julio, that segues into my other point here as we get into Falling for Christmas. The closing credits. Did you watch the credits with, like, the blooper reel? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I did. It took me a moment. Did you, so. did, you, did you catch that Jingle Bell Rock was playing over the credits? I probably did at the time. It's been about a week since I watched the movie. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I'll just let you know that Jingle Bell Rock did play over the closing credits in the blooper reel, and it was Lindsay Lohan that sung it. She got in the studio and did a version of it for the movie. Nice. All in. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a full circle thing that I appreciate. So, again, I, I'm not going to stand by Fox News as a... Re- reputed outlet or something that anyone should take seriously but i enjoyed that article and thought it did a very good job of bringing us up to date here so uh to close out lohan and what could hopefully be you know something i i don't need a comeback i mean it'd be really cool if Lindsay lohan made you know some big fucking movie again or or got a role with i don't know the safety brothers where she does something like kind of groundbreaking or like crazy chapter 28 but more importantly it's just i don't know her so i don't know what she wants but the idea of like vindication Mm -hmm. bringing things full circle one of the things that you'll find in our first three parts of this is the discussion of just like you can't be 17 years old and have access to anything in the world that you want and the excess and the trappings of fame are all available to you and you're really good looking and you're quick witted, but you also have people around you that don't have your best interests in mind. Everything about her was a recipe for disaster and it's not exclusive to Lindsay Lohan. There have been plenty of cases of child actors and people that got into this too young and because your brain's not supposed to, I mean, if you're 40 and you get that level of success, your, your brain's, most people aren't wired for that. So mm-hmm. one of the things we talked about 
throughout this is that. And so the idea that she could potentially come back and, you know, end things on her terms and on a good note. And we're not talking about some groundbreaking film, but just the idea that she could come back and potentially do this the way she wants to. And I think something that's really important about this movie, too, is that through the blooper reel and even just the scenes that she's in, she seems she seems genuinely happy to be yep. like in a movie again where that was my takeaway from the the blooper reel at the end. Like, I don't remember the, the yeah. song playing, but I was like, Oh, they, she, she seemed to be having such a good time. And I know that, well, <laughs> it could all be handpicked and what we're not seeing are the times where she is just being a nightmare to work with. But I choose to believe that we're past that stage and that what we're seeing is just genuine. And it's just, Oh, everybody's having such a blast. Yeah. I was about to say, you know, it could be a thing of, well, she's just such a good actor. That's what she puts on. But the benefit of us having done this is we watched several movies where even in her performance, it seemed like she wanted to be anywhere else in the world and said in front of that camera. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so seeing her here, I'm gonna not going to lie to you. I, this movie, again, is extremely whatever. But this is kind of ending on a happier note than even I was anticipating. So... uh I think that article sets the stage falling for Christmas. We end Lohan, the uh, contrarian's journey here with a Christmas in July. Julio, I'm not going to lie to you. It really made me want it to be Christmas. Like everyone was like in their, like, you know, their warm clothes. And dude, it's just, it's the best, man. The food. Is it your favorite holiday? Have we talked about this? It's either Halloween or Christmas, but you don't get time off for Halloween. Thanksgiving rules. But it rules because I'm fat. Like you just get to <laughs> eat a bunch of food and watch football. Now, Christmas is just so warm to me. I mean, it's and honestly, it goes beyond the actual celebrating Christmas. It's just that season. I'm always in a much better mood. People seem a bit happier. There's literal cheer in the air. Of course, American college ruined me because in college. In America, you get like December 15th to January 10th off. So like when I graduated, it was so brutal, like not having that anymore because that, that's what I looked forward to. It's like I get a whole month of Christmas cheer to, to share with everybody else. But still, uh, that SNL skit with Matt Damon about Christmas, it, the line that it closes on is always like it's become my default for explaining Christmas to someone. Even when it's the worst, it's the best. That's how I feel about Christmas. And watching this, I was like, God damn. Because it's fucking nine million degrees outside. I, I'm not going to eat milk and chocolate chip cookies right now. But I was, I was like, man, I want to overfill a washing machine with detergent and then go off and <laughs> make some hot cocoa. So Lindsay Lohan comes to us one last time here, Julio, along with Chord Overstreet. <laughs> all those, all the Overstreet fans, the, the what do you call them? The, the Overstreeters? The Understreeters? <laughs> They're going to just flood our inbox, our mentions on X and threats and whatever else, just explaining that we're idiots because it's obviously it's Chord because he's from Glee. So he's a musical guy. And I would say, oh, so his parents knew that he was going to be a musical guy when they named him when he was a baby? <laughs> and then somebody oh, will man. explain to me what, what a stage name is. Dangerous stage parents right there. Yeah. Chord. Uh, Chord is just funnier. 
We're rocking a 62% on Rotten Tomatoes from 55 reviews. So it's got a red tomato, but to the right of it, the audience score, 53%, has a sad tipped over green popcorn bucket. So, Bunch of grumps. Lindsay's split in the field here. And uh, so, yeah, that, that those are obviously our two stars. A uh, gentleman by the name of George Young plays Tad Fairchild, who, what, who's, what's Eugene Levy's son's name? Uh, Dan Levy. Dan Levy. I feel like this guy watched like two episodes of Shit's Creek and we're like, I can do that. And, uh, <laughs> Wait, is this the, the boyfriend, the fiance boyfriend? Yeah, the guy who's okay. obsessed with like the the influencer. Yes, he wants to be an influencer. That's it. And then Jack Wagner, who plays Lindsay Lohan's dad, <laughs> and I'm not kidding, his name's Beauregard Belmont. He's like a, <laughs> a hotel mogul. I read a letterbox review of this that said it might be like some brilliant next level parody movie that we're not aware of because it's just so it's like almost a parody of itself of how silly it is. If it didn't try to hit the emotional notes, I would agree. But yeah, it gets too sincere at times. So there's no way leans on them hard was directed by Janine Damien and written by. Jeff Bonnet and Ron Oliver. Ron Oliver directed several episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark? So he's cool with me. (laughs) And for Janine Damien, it looks like this was her directorial debut. She's also an executive producer. She does have one upcoming film that she's going to be directing. And we'll get to that here in a little bit. So Falling for Christmas, Julio. I mean, I know this isn't your type of movie per se. Uh <laughs> but we've been through a lot here. So I think that's the key. Like Yeah. We this was it had to happen this way. <laughs> I had to watch <laughs> I had to watch chapter 27 and uh the canyons and what's it called? Almost pregnant. Labor pains. <laughs> Labor pains. <laughs> I, I, we had to go through all that in order to arrive to Fallen for Christmas and going like, it, it's okay. We, this is, we can do this. This is, you are Dev Patel and I am Latika and we're meeting at the bus station with a copy of Falling for Christmas and you look at me and say, this is our destiny. <laughs> yes. I got to, before we, we jump into it, Alex. I got some, this is a main feed episode, so I got some Rotten Tomatoes quotes. Oh, excellent. Just just a couple, because I think that they show, you know, on the fresh side, and these are allegedly top critics. That's what the website's telling me. <laughs> so <laughs> Big names trying to fill out the void left by Roger Ebert's passing years ago. Sandra Gonzalez, top critic from CNN.com, says, Some actors shoot for Oscars, and that's great. Lohan's magic power has always been bringing to life films that have the simple goal of being unchallenging delights. If for that and that alone, Falling for Christmas is a gift. I like it. it. Almost, I like it too. It it felt like it was going to be a backhanded compliment, but it actually ended up being kind of sweet. Uh, Christy Lemire, Lemire from Film Week says, it's exactly what you want it to be. If If by you... Is just referring to, uh, I don't know, the Lifetime audience. Yeah. <laughs> where is it? If this wasn't on Netflix, where would you see it playing? Lifetime. Lifetime, Hallmark. right? 
Hallmark. Oh, Hallmark. Network. Hallmark. Yeah. That's really, that's it. I'm do one more. K. Austin Collins from Rolling Stone says, This healthy dollop of Christmas camp, which is a little batty by even Netflix holiday movie standards, is eager to give Lohan something to do. That's the point, and that's what the movie pleasantly accomplishes. It, it really is designed, or seems designed, as a Lindsay Lohan vehicle, which makes me wonder what, like, what came first, the the chicken or the egg, the Lohan or the or the script. <laughs> Do you think that there was a there was just a script waiting for you know for them to cast, and then they're like, well, let's approach Lindsay Lohan. Or do you think Netflix went to Lindsay Lohan and they're like, hey, do you want to be in a Christmas movie? Because we do these holiday movies all year long. <laughs> do you want to be in one of them? And then we'll just we'll, we'll whip something up. What do you think is more likely? I think there's probably an idea behind what this was going to be before you know parties signed on. And I think Lindsay at this point is probably sharp enough to realize that, hey, if I'm going to do this, then uh, centering around Christmas when expectations are a little bit lower and, you know, a Christmas romance movie, no one's going to expect like too much from it. So if I really am good in it, I, you know, it's going to make a really good impression on people. I think there's a lot to that can be processed when given something like this. They're like, what do we have available? They're like, well, there's that uh, unnamed short overstreet project. <laughs> <laughs> well, and as we'll see here in a little bit, this multi-movie deal they have with Lindsay Lohan, I think is the idea is to be centered around holidays and or um, romance and whatnot. So I think it was kind of an easy layup for both. And starting with a Christmas movie is definitely an easy way to go because when you think about this and we're already speaking kind of more positively about it than i would have expected because like we said of where we've been my review on letterbox makes it clear it's not a good movie but it's not offensive is is it not a good movie or is it just very much not a movie for people like you and me yeah it's your chain smoking grandma you come over for christmas and she's like god damn i my grandma wouldn't say goddamn what she say? So, <laughs> so man, I watched this movie on the TV. It was uh, that that redhead girl from Parent Trap. <laughs> and she's rich and doesn't understand the meaning of life. And then she gets amnesia and meets this nice young man and realizes what's important. It was just beautiful. And then it starts snowing. And, and you it go, was just wonderful. Grandma, were you talking about Overboard? <laughs> Did you watch Fifty First States again? What is wrong with you? <laughs> I think you're right. It's not a movie for people like you and I, and quite possibly most of the people listening to this. <laughs> making making huge assumptions about our audience. I kid, but I personally know some of the people that will be listening to this right now, and I know they would watch this and like want to rip their eyeballs out. Uh, <laughs> but for me, I found it to be an easy watch. My letterbox review also calls out, you know exactly everything that's going to happen within the first five minutes of the movie. When you meet all the characters, you're like, okay, so this guy, he, she's going to fall for him and get the money from her dad. Yeah, the amnesia thing's kind of a fucking hard left, but it's, uh, <laughs> man, when she was hot, like before all that shit went bad in like 2007, you gave her a Christmas movie like this in like 2005 or 2006, even if it's the exact same movie, yeah, it'll get chewed up by critics but man this would have made a killing at the box office i don't think it's, you cast short over street though <laughs> well no at that point it would be chad Timothy michael Chalamet. murray <laughs> chad michael in, murray yes in 2005 
Timothy Chalamet was still in his dad's nutsack back then. <laughs> well, I I thought I, I guess I wasn't sure what we were doing as far as time travel goes because oh, 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 she, I'm sorry, she, yeah. she can't play the, the you know she's playing an adult woman in this movie. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I was acting like if we were dealing with post Mean Girls, Lindsay, and this came out. I was just basically my point was it would have made an absolute killing in the box office. Post Mean Girls, she would be playing Chord Overstreet's daughter. And she would steal the movie. Dude, uh, the other thing I was kind of surprised with is how good it looks. I mean, it's not Oppenheimer, but it's uh, you you come along with a certain expectation when you're watching, you know, what again is basically a made for lifetime or Hallmark movie. Or, you know, some streaming movies do have some pretty big budgets and visual effects and whatnot. But something like this, you're just like, yeah, it's I just expected everything to be green screen or no real on location shooting. But there's a lot of actual sets and on location shooting. I mean, yeah, they're on the mountain and it's obviously like green screen shit. But uh, but they did build the little village that uh, over in is. And yeah, that's. Uh, Good one. So, yes, hit us with the with the plot, as it were, and and yes, it is the plot of Overboard, <laughs> just Christmased up, but but still, a young, newly engaged heiress has a skiing accident in the days before Christmas. After she is diagnosed with amnesia, she finds herself in the care of a handsome cabin owner and his daughter. So Chord here owns like a lodge. Mm-hmm. wherever they are Christmas Town USA or whatever Aspen they're in Aspen her dad owns like this big luxurious ski resort and you know George's running the mom and pop shop that's close to going out of business and he's trying to find a way to save it and Sierra Lindsay Lohan her dad's gonna give her a job as vice president of atmosphere which I texted Julio I was like what the fuck is that he <laughs> tremendously responded definitely a white person job <laughs> i thought that was just on the fucking money she gets in her act and she's dating this just dickhead social media obsessed goon who is all wrong for her and then he proposes to her just for like status and during this she falls off the side of a mountain hits her head gets amnesia She's rushed to the hospital, but she's very difficult to deal with. So she's discharged into the arms of uh, Jake Chord as he can take <laughs> care of her. And she begins helping him out of the resort and, you know, trying to get her memory back along the way. And somewhere throughout this tale, they fall for each other and they hit the speed bumps of her dad and her fiance finding her. But she's able to move past that and over that. And finds herself back with uh, Jake, the one she loves, and they celebrate Christmas together. And now I guess she has a daughter because he <laughs> he comes with some baggage. <laughs> yes, he's a he's a widower, and he's a he's a widower that's about to go broke. And the movie starts as overboard, but ends as uh, son of a bitch. It was gonna be a good joke. What's 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 our episode five movie? The the Christmas classic, uh, Family Stone. No, 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 no. Uh, before Family Stone, it was. Uh, oh, yeah, it's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it starts as overboard, but then it it 
takes a surprising turn towards the end into it's a wonderful life territory is chord receives donations from all over town to keep the lodge <laughs> alive you're a good man chord over street god that'd be awesome if we had like a potter style character in this you're telling me she has amnesia <laughs> nobody this there's no there's no evil makes her character. late on payments <laughs> there's no real villain here Right, everybody is is kind of they have their their gruff, bad side. Like you know, the dad doesn't want to give Chord the money or the you know invest in his lodge, and so you think, oh, he's the bad guy. But they just know that no, he's actually uh, he just doesn't think it's a solid business plan. But overall, he seems to care about his daughter. And then when he finds out that she's been spending time at the lodge, it's not like he's horrified that she was slumming it with the with the lower <laughs> class and then the the boyfriend slash fiance he is insufferable but they make it to where he's never he never crosses a line where you would hate him right mm-hmm. he, the only reason that he's an antagonist is because in theory you should be wanting Lindsay and chord to get together and so this guy is obviously an obstacle but i i had very very slight vibes of uh, uh, forgetting Sir Marshall in the sense that you have the, the boyfriend that's kind of an asshole but in a different universe <laughs> it becomes a breakout performance in the movie that's not what happens with this guy whatever his name is that's playing the boyfriend but you can see that he's trying right like they gave him the role of the, the guy that we're gonna root against and he goes Okay, but I'm going to try so hard to be funny and be memorable every time I show up on screen. And every time he showed up on the in the story, I was like, oh, he's still we're still checking in on him because <laughs> they got to write him out. Like she has the like they have to write him out because he's the only other person that knows what happened to her. So she has the accident and they make him have also an accident and just get stranded in the mountains for the duration of the movie until he comes back in the third act to, to complicate things. But I just thought that he was going to be gone and then he was going to show up at the end. But no, we keep checking on him and he becomes friends with some dude that lives out there in the mountains and he, he has his own sort of spiritual awakening. Did you get the feeling they were trying to get something, <laughs> make this guy happen? I don't think it worked, at least not for me. But did you uh, did you find this a standout performance? No, it kept going back to it and I was just like oh my god who cares but that's just me man maybe it worked for somebody else maybe we're too old to appreciate the humor of seeing a, an influencer oh yeah Je- George Young is just his comedy washes over us yeah we're not hip enough uh, well do you do you find him more charismatic than Chord man old Chord I don't really know what he has to work with <laughs> <laughs> Kurt Russell, he is not. He's not yeah. even Eugenio Derbez, who was in that remake of Overboard. Did you know that they make an Overboard remake where they gender flipped? So, so the guy is the one that gets amnesia, and uh, Anna Ferris is the the woman. I feel like you might have told me about that. Yeah, I guess right. I. I mean, I've watched it twice. <laughs> <laughs> it's an okay movie. It's it's fun. It's fun in the sense that, just like, I'm sure some people will tell you that it's fun to watch this movie. Same thing. I watched. I don't remember what it was called. It was not Overboard, but it's, you know, he's a rich asshole. He has an accident. He loses his memory. And then Anna Faris 
pretends that she's her wife. She uses him for labor so she can get her kids through school or something. And it's, uh, but then he becomes a better person while he's amnesic and, uh, and she actually falls for him. So it's, it's the exact same plot as. <laughs> Overboard, except gender flipped. This is not quite overboard for two reasons. One is that Short Overstreet, whatever he had going in Glee, uh, doesn't translate to this movie. Like I don't think that he's he makes for a compelling romantic partner to Lindsay Lohan. Uh, mm-hmm. But also because he's just such a good guy, he's really boring, <laughs> in my humble opinion. He has the, no wrinkles. Yeah, but the the fun of the overboard concept is that the the other person, the person that has their memory, is going to take advantage of the, the situation, right? There's like this horrible person that lost their memory, and now they're going to make them pay by making them believe that they're somebody. So in this case, it doesn't have to be anything sinister, right? Like, he, he needs a maid. There's a point in which he's like, okay, we need somebody to take care of the chores around the lodge. And they kind of make her do it, but it's played as just this really harmless montage is nothing i wanted him to be a little bit of a weasel so that then later when when she finds out the truth they have something to work with as far as conflict (laughs) she's like oh you you knew that i was the rich girl from the resort and you made me think that i was your long lost maid or something but they didn't know they'll do anything you know it's just it's just very harmless very fluffy which i guess is what people are expecting in this type of movie but it doesn't work in you need somebody a lot more, yeah, some with more wrinkles than Chord. Did you did you like him at all, or are you as as down on him as I was? I mean, he's fine in what the movie needs from him, which is not much at all. But the character, you're right, is just big old bowl of melted vanilla ice cream, <laughs> and he obliges. But he's good with all the facial expressions and the montage of like, oh, man, I shouldn't be in love with her, but I am. Or, whoa, <laughs> she doesn't know how to flip a pancake. Ah. <laughs> yeah, so. He can hit his marks. That's what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. I think I was way more bothered by the Tad character, that George Young cat, than Jake. I understand we need the antagonist boyfriend, but this it, it wore on me really bad. That's the one part of the movie that I was just like, all right, can we can we not? <laughs> okay, so I guess we're we are on opposite sides cuz I I'll take that dude over Chord. Oh, Chord just okay. just bored me. Uh it doesn't help that Chord has my probably my least favorite type of character um in movies. And, and Chord has one of those under his wing and that is the precocious little girl. Ah, that, there you go. Just you, you have to have seen this coming. This girl showed up in the movie. I mean, you're a, like, oh, that's Julio's a Julio staple. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Again, much like her on-screen father, she's doing what she's asked to do. I can't really blame this little kid. I mean, I wouldn't anyway because she's a little kid. But the movie wants her to be just this smiling child from beginning to end. And... The power of her smile is supposed to turn Lindsay Lohan into a better person, and I guess she it, it does. But it was just so saccharine that it, and you're right. Whatever when you said that somebody had posited that maybe this was a parody, I mean, it is just like one degree away from being a parody. <laughs> but you could turn like that character of the of the little girl into just 
you know, <laughs> the funny version of that, where we're just making fun of that trope, but it doesn't quite do it. it this is all just very, very sincere, and that's fine. I will I mean, say, I will say, I understand the the character, the way it's written, qualms, but the little girl Olivia Perez, she is pretty good without coming across as like kid acting school, like. She seems fairly natural and a very unnatural character. Yes. I mean, it's it's the best that, that she could have done with the material. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but also that, that, just the way that she's directed. I mean, that's that's exactly yeah. the performance they want in this movie. Janine, uh, the director. Janine Damien? Yeah, Janine Damien was like, she, she, she looked at this little girl and she's like, you know what you have to do. Don't argue with me. You know what you signed up for. Your 12 years on this planet have built to this moment. Just you go out there cute. and you laugh when she can't flip that pancake. <laughs> Kill them with cuteness. Kill the audience with cuteness. And if you ever falter, don't worry. You got grandma. You got Hispanic grandma there to, to have Dude. as a backup. Alejandra. Uh-huh. Played by Alejandra Flores. <laughs> d- doesn't even have like a wikipedia page does she have an imdb page she does but i you know because if you click on an, an actor's name on uh, letterbox it'll show you the movies they've been in mm-hmm. and i was like i've seen this woman in a thousand things hadn't seen her in anything it's just <laughs> they just <laughs> they just got the classic <laughs> grandma character she's just there and makes the grandma faces and the, the smiles and there's a scene where she walks in on her crying and it's like <laughs> oh, I just miss how it used to be. <laughs> yeah, you, you haven't you know seen what? that actress. You'd seen that type. But you know what? It's 90 minutes, and I didn't feel like I wasted my time at the end. You know, Lohan Project or not, I didn't feel like I had wasted my time. That being said, had it not been for the Lohan Project, I probably would have found myself uh, way more disinterested. It's just with us having gone through what we have on this journey and what we our mission statement about this movie we started at the beginning just seeing Lindsay engaged and seeming to have fun again and yeah that blooper reel it could be completely fake and it, but I never need to know because for me in my mind it's like all right she's having fun on movie sets again she's not hiding in closets and shit mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that's a victory yeah, yeah I, and it is i i am on the same mind i mean i had i had a good time i didn't it helps that i knew at the movie knew that we were not meant for each other. <laughs> the, the, the producers of uh, Falling for Christmas saw me entering the screening room. They're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Nobody called you. <laughs> this is not for you. But Oppenheimer's I, I, down the hall. Yes, sir. <laughs> Can I see your ticket? <laughs> <laughs> but I sat down. I didn't make a fuss. I I was fully aware that I was getting an extra kick out of it just because as a final chapter to our Lindsay Lohan journey. It was very appropriate, and it was a happy ending, pretty much. And uh, and it was I was off the hook because, again, this was not meant for me, and it wasn't trying to be meant for me. This was mm-hmm. this was not a movie that I was ever going to push play on, and this was not a movie that was trying to win me over. This movie knew exactly what it wanted to be. <laughs> it knew what it was there for, it, and as a 
as a movie that I could see playing in the background on Christmas, it's like, it does the job. It has this, the Christmas spirit, the Christmas message. It has a very charismatic actress at, in, at the center of it. And then, you know, varying degrees of support around her. But Lindsay Lohan is enough to just carry it through. She gets to do more in this than in some of the movies that we reviewed in previous chapters, which is mm-hmm. good. Uh, you know, they give her a little bit of pratfalls. She gets a couple of like emotional scenes. Uh, she gets a couple of quippy scenes. As a Lohan fan, I mean, this is this is good. It's it's okay as as you know. It is not your your type of movie. I'm not gonna say you should watch it for Lindsay Lohan. But if you are a Lindsay Lohan fan, I would be like, oh yeah, you probably have a good time watching Falling for Christmas. It's you know completely unremarkable except for the fact that. It brought Lindsay Lohan back, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Now, did you have a, a strong reaction to the Jingle Bell Rock moment? Did you point at the screen, or did you roll your eyes? Uh, a little bit of both. It was, um... <laughs> it was Carrie Mulligan in um, Lewin Davis when Lewin tells her that he loves her, and she does that. <laughs> her face where she's like clearly like flattered and taken aback by it but then rolls her eyes and goes come on I was, that's, <laughs> that's how I felt watching that uh, it was fun it was, it was nice it was a treat like most of this movie was Julio we're near the finish line here before we bring it home though we're first going to go to rogerdeber.com Mariah E. Gates on November 10th of 2022 the review for Falling for Christmas Two and a half stars. Every year as we turn back our clocks and wood smoke fills the crisp air, Christmas movies begin to fill the airwaves. While Hallmark started their barrage of cinematic holiday treats as early as October this year, that is fucking sacrilegious. I've gone on about that before. (laughs) November 1st, you can start Christmas stuff, but not not a second before. Netflix waited until November to begin their annual slate of romantic snow-filled sleigh rides. Leading the way is Falling for Christmas, featuring the return of Lindsay Lohan in her first lead role since Paul Schrader's The Canyons nearly a decade ago. The directorial debut of co-writer Janine Damien, whose filmography includes writing and producing a half-dozen holiday films, is generic yet charming, following the well-worn template of city girl finding love and simpler life in the country. Like a tinseled cover twist on Overboard, Lohan plays a Hotel Harris named Sierra Belmont who finds herself in just this kind of situation, offered the position of, quote, vice president of atmosphere at her father's exclusive ski chalet. She's there a week before Christmas to let him know she doesn't think the position is the right fit for her, even though she doesn't know what else she should be doing with her life instead. All she knows is she wants to be known for more than her father's last name. Decked out in gorgeous monocolor ensembles designed by Emerson Alvarez, like the daring red jumpsuit featured on the poster and a fuchsia snowsuit, Lohan embodies this character like a softer version of Sigourney Weaver's character in Working Girl. She's good-natured, but she does bark orders like someone whose privilege comes second nature. Uh, Lohan is at her best in this half of the film, which allows her natural comedic chops to shine. On her way to meet her vapid social media influencer boyfriend, Tad... Sierra meets cute with Jake, the owner of a much smaller struggling resort on the same mountain. He runs into her while holding a cup of hot cocoa given to him after Sierra's father, Beauregard, declines to invest in his business. <laughs> Lohan screeching, my Valenyagi over and over after a dollop of whipped cream finds its way under her lapel is pure camp. 
This unlikely duo, of course, meet again after a disastrous off-the-grid engagement photo shoot ends with Sierra and Tad toppling down a remote mountain. While taking tourists on an idyllic sleigh ride, Jake finds the now amnesiac Sierra head-based into a tree while Tad finds himself spending four days with a survivalist named Ralph. All this is established with a breakneck screwball pace in the first 10 minutes, with Lohan more than capable of maintaining the prescribed rat-a-tat dialogue needed to pull off the tone. She even goes all in on a few slapstick moments that don't quite work, but add a nice wackiness that balances out some of the film's more saccharine tendencies. That's why I kind of assumed you had read this, Hulu. You were saying like these exact same things. <laughs> I will say this. I've been, I've been kind of complaining and throwing barbs at uh, RogerEber.com. Uh, and the people that run it because I'm like it's not Roger Ebert Roger Ebert's not there but Mariah Gates is pretty cool I've, uh, <laughs> she's guested on film spotting a few times and I've seen her a couple of like of their zoom gatherings and she's she's pretty clever she's I always like what she has to say so it doesn't surprise me that she agrees with me <laughs> <laughs> As Tad, young, George Young, is absolutely hilarious, this is where we disagree, spewing out absurd lines with the utmost sincerity, which couple nicely with the broad comedy his self-obsessed character demands. If only the film had kept the zany style throughout, it would have transcended its trappings to become a new classic. The film clearly knows Christmas movies past with homages to films like Christmas in Connecticut and It's a Wonderful Life peppered throughout. However, unlike those classics falling for Christmas's romance plot is woefully uninteresting interesting jake is a widower whose overly precocious daughter avi has made a wish that jake will find love a mischievous looking santa selling roasted chestnuts appear to magically bring sierra in her amnesic state call sarah into jake's life as he teaches her that there is something special about the simple thing she helps him open up to love again cue the syrupy music <laughs> so would all be fine if Glee alum Overstreet's Jake had any kind of pizzazz. Loanna's game clearly having a blast surrounded by all of the holly and ivy and whimsical Christmas magic, yet Overstreet is stuck in the bland nice guy with all his edges <laughs> neatly sanded off. His supposed long-standing grief over his deceased wife barely registers belong a shallow glint in his eyes. Even Chase Ramsey in a few brief scenes of Sierra's new assistant Terry has more chemistry with Lohan than her leading man. Okay, Still that guy over- I didn't like. No, <laughs> the, the, yeah, it's funny because he's, he has, he's probably the most problematic part of the movie is he's involved in. Oh yeah. The ending. <laughs> I, I don't want to give it away just in case anyone listening to this is going to like dog ear this for Christmas. If you do, please circle back with us after you do to see if we <laughs> let's compare notes. Yeah. But that guy has like five minutes of screen time, I think. And I, he was pretty insufferable. He was fucking poor man's Logan St. Bogan from Wet Hot American Summer. I can't remember that (laughs) actor's name, but that's all I kept thinking. Still, Overstreet's drabness aside, there is a warmth to this film that is hard to resist. While veritable Christmas classics are like antique glass ornaments passed down from generation to generation and placed every year with care on the family tree, the television Christmas movie complex tends to pump out movies that are more like disposable tissue paper, good for one use only. Falling for <laughs> Christmas lands somewhere in the middle of the scale. It's more like a reusable ribbon bow. It's not great. It's nothing special, but you can keep it year after year and place it on a present as long as you have scotch tape or low hands, irresistible charm to hold it together. And as far as those kinds of semi-disposable holiday films go, Netflix has been producing some of the better ones. Films like Mary Lambert's Scotland set a castle for Christmas starring 
Brooke Shields and Carrie Ells, which per the Netflix Christmas Universe rule that states a movie from the previous year is featured on a TV screen in the latest installment is shown briefly when Sierra first wakes up at Jake's <sighs> resort. Both films are elevated by the star power of their leads and their director's clear love of Christmas traditions and aesthetics. Fans of Lohan or Anne Breezy holiday films will surely find something to love here, but those whose tolerance for this kind of treacle is low at best should probably sit this one out. You know, some of the qualms about the actual acting and some of the plot devices in the movie aside, I feel that pretty much encapsulates what we've been talking about. Yeah, I'm glad to hear that Mariah Gates enjoyed it, or at least knew how to enjoy it. You have to you have to approach this movie the right way, I think. Uh, so what's what's your score, man? A C. I, I gave it a one and a half stars on Letterbox. I think I'm gonna bump that up to two just after this discussion we had. A C it, it's those Christmas analogies she made at the end I fucking loved. Uh but I agree with that. It's Man, this this would be, you know, when Christmas comes this year and we're cooking all day, this can be a background movie or it's not Family Stone or, you know, um, Black Christmas, the OG. It's not one of these movies that I'm like, <laughs> Most I have definitely to sit down. not Black Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a Christmas movie. I have to sit down and make sure that I watch cover to cover. Uh, but it's one that I'd have no qualms about throwing on in the background because if nothing else, you could have it on mute, but it still helps set the mood because it's just so goddamn Christmassy. Mm-hmm. Um, as I said earlier in this episode, we're ending on a more positive note than I actually expected to because of not that this was a blowaway movie, but it was just like what was needed after all the things we've been through with Lindsay Lohan's career, especially coming off the canyons and how like just dark and nasty that movie is and to know like the kind of despair she was in personally at the time to see this where she's moved she's got a husband she just had a kid obviously she didn't have the kid when this was made but she's a mom now that's fucking cool and this is just the right level of sugary for what we need to end this on so now the real question well there's two questions one is what my score is and that is two stars I think yeah you've talked me into two stars uh with the caveat that I watched this movie under a very specific set of circumstances. And if I hadn't watched the previous movies leading to this, maybe I would have just reacted more harshly or like I said, there's no way I would have just sat to watch a Christmas movie from Netflix starring some dude from Glee and Lindsay Lohan until, you know, we started this project. And then that, that seemed the only possible destination but um yeah two stars now more importantly alex how do you rank the movies that we watched during lohan mean girls is number one obviously (laughs) (laughs) give me the top and the bottom we both have the same one at the top mean girls labor labor pains labor pains may be the worst movie we've done (laughs) like on this podcast I guess so. I yeah. I, I think I have like, to agree with that. Even Christmas with the Cranks, which was like the barometer, it was the measuring stick for a while. It's so stupid, but you can believe there's people that stupid in the world. <laughs> Labor pains <laughs> is like this person needs to be committed. Like this isn't funny. <laughs> this so person that I, made this movie <laughs> needs to be committed. Yes. And that one, I honestly, I thought I knew we were just in for a bad romantic comedy. I had no idea what we were in for there. 
I mean, they kind of fall in order of how we did them. Herbie's not good. You watching Fallen for Christmas again before you watch Herbie Fully Loaded? Surprisingly, yes. Yeah, same. Even with Matt Dillon as a Disney villain. Oh, that's, I mean, that's just, that's the, that's the draw of that one. (laughs) And then chapter 27, I've seen it once. The story and the idea is way more fascinating than the actual movie itself. Uh, but it's, I'd still, I guess that's close to the bottom too. Is it? Would you? Is it chapter, better than Herbie? Uh, no. <laughs> I don't know why it <laughs> took me so long to answer that. <laughs> it's because, and y'all who are here for the first time on our Lohan journey, when you go back and listen to episode three on our Patreon, you'll find out I am just so endlessly fascinated with the the making of that movie, but it is terrible. Uh. <laughs> And Julio, he's, he's laughing now, but he was like mad that we had to watch that uh, when it was over. Of course, he didn't know anything going in. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't care for Herbie. I wasn't even that amused by Matt Dillon. But it would is. you put the can the canyons over Herbie? Oh yeah, I, I think the okay. canyons is my number two. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you were bemused with uh, Freaky Friday. You didn't quite get my love. Yeah, the window closed on Freaky Friday. I don't think that <laughs> there's a point where I would enjoy it the way that it's meant to be enjoyed. I think the point of these rankings are Mean Girls, Gigantic Chasm, and then <laughs> the list picks back up. <laughs> and then when you get to like whatever your second to last is, then there's another Gigantic Chasm, and then there's Labor Pains. Sorry, Cheryl Hines. We love you, but you've been in better movies, and you know it. That applies to pretty much everybody in that cast. It is the workings of a comeback. As we mentioned, she uh, last week, actually, at the time of recording, had uh, a baby boy. And she does have more projects on the horizon. I don't know if it's completed yet, uh, but Irish Wish, which is the next in her series of movies with Netflix, that uh, is also directed by Janine Damien. And we'll start Lindsay Lohan, Ed Spielers. Hey, it's worked before because Jane Jane Seymour. There you go. Ah, I know the name. Um, it's worked before because Freaky Friday and Mean Girls have the same director. Here's hoping that Irish Wish ends up being the Mean Girls to Falling for Christmas's Freaky Friday. <laughs> God willing, but hey, man, my whole idea from the onset of this was just. Because she is an interesting figure of the past 25 years and a story that, you know, people who were contemporaries and kind of lived through it, so to speak, as observers, obviously, from the outside, way afar. It's just kind of an interesting story. And it's been uh, learned a lot doing the research for it and glad to end on a high note. And I'm really hoping that, you know, she can achieve whatever success she wants from here on out. Not because I'm one of those people that's like rooting for her actively, I guess, but just having gone through this and ending on the note we are and some of the things we've read and just, you know, uh, seemed like she got dealt a bad hand on some things. So, man, if she wants to just make these Hallmark movies for the next five years and then call it a day, go for it. She wants to do something else. Go for it, too. Be in Rob Zombie's next movie for all I care. Wow. uh, (laughs) Come on. (laughs) (laughs) No need to go to extremes. 
Yeah. Julio. But, but at this point, there is no way that we don't watch Irish Wish whenever it comes out. Accurate. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll definitely. We'll have to do like a, a follow-up on uh, After Hours. But yeah, yeah we, we got some time before then. And I think I'm low hand out for a while. I mean, Mean Girls, I'll watch every time it's on. But I don't think I'm going to be working my way back to the canyons anytime soon. <laughs> I don't think anybody is. <laughs> Julio, you feel like you learned some stuff along the way here? I did. I did. And I am uh, very amused by the fact that when Letterboxd sends me my my yearly summary of just my watching activity, Lindsay Lohan is going to be my most watched actress for 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Outstanding. No, this is this has been good. This is I come away. I already knew that Mean Girls was great and that she was great in Mean Girls. Everything else was kind of fuzzy, and I come out of it with a better understanding of just her career and her work. And I mean, it happened when we did with Travolta, when we did with Not a Writer. Oh, I, and of course, it happened with The Rock and John Cena. How could I forget <laughs> our boys? So Dwayne's back, Lohan's back. I mean, Cena never left, so these contrarian <laughs> journeys, we're keeping them going. <laughs> we're going to have to figure out the next one. I need to uh, look at our patron and see what the next number we should set uh-huh. for our, our next patron journey will be. Uh, but if you're still with us and you haven't yet, you need to go to patreon.com slash contrarian prime and listen to parts one, two, and three of our Lohan miniseries. And after that, you have parts one, two, three, four, and five of the Rock Cena mega series to visit. So there's plenty over there. One dollar will get you access to our patrons who have come along this journey with us the whole way. We appreciate y'all so much. To anyone who's listening to this that got inspired to join our patron, thank you. Or if you're just checking this out, you have no idea who we are and have never listened to an episode of ours before. We appreciate that as well. Julio, thank you again for coming along the ride with me. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Because <laughs> <laughs> as I've said several times throughout this uh, miniseries, I don't know that I would have gone on it on my own. So, but it was very rewarding. So, as always, we'll do Mission this together, brother. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, listeners, you'll catch in the bumper where to find us. And uh, we hope to catch y'all next time. And before too long here, we'll catch y'all back on Patreon with another exclusive series. But in the meantime, take care. God bless. Go, Lindsay. Go, Lohan. Summer of 1990